Hello and welcome to Rather Go Blind, a podcast for those who'd rather go blind than not speak their minds. Today's episode will be joined by Mr. Smith, an educator for over 20 years who's made a huge impact in his community. We'll be going over various different topics, which will extend into multiple episodes. Sit back and enjoy. like to introduce yourself? Good good afternoon, everyone. I'm uh, Darren Smith, an educator in HSD for 21 years. All right. And tell us a little bit of the things that you do. I know you, you uh, run an organization called the Boys Club. Yes. Uh, well, I was a, I'm a teacher. I was a teacher uh, for 20 years. Um, and I taught every grade level from fourth through 12th in those 20 years. And uh, when I first entered education, uh, I was uh, the nerd, the brainiac. So I always thought that all kids should be the nerd, the brainiac. So I went in thinking that I was going to make everyone love learning as much as I did, or as I do, I should say. And uh, my first class, I had 36 kids, fifth grade, self-contained, and the average age was 12 years old. And they were a group of kids that had a reputation at the school for being obnoxious, rude, disrespectful, and above all, unsuccessful in academics. And so my challenge was hardy in that um, these kids didn't care anything about learning. Um, Their main concerns was going home to a, a secure house, Uh, making sure they had a meal to eat when they got home, making sure that mom or dad did come home and didn't end up in jail, um, and then getting a good night's sleep. Because the neighborhood that I worked in, which was uh, Fifth Ward, was very contentious. And so the students had a legitimate concern about their safety and well-being, as did the parents. And so um, I struggled my first month because I couldn't get them, I couldn't get the students to understand, hey, this is about learning. And then I met with, so I decided to meet with the, the school counselor, and who's still a good friend of mine today. Um, and she told me some very sage words of advice. She said, Darren, everybody's motivation is not learning. Sometimes if you have needs other than education that are paramount, then those needs have to be met before you can even consider anything else. And that took me right back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is if your physical and safety needs are not met, you can't even take me to the higher realms of my mental capacity. So I quickly started to implement things for the students that I thought could meet some of their physical and social and emotional needs. So I implemented a snack table in my room that I kept fruit and nuts and uh, healthy snacks. And I told the kids that whenever they, if they were hungry, if they came in hungry, just grab, you don't have to make a big deal about it. Just grab a snack, eat it while you're working. And that's fine with me. And they, and the kids love that. And then I instituted these things that I call teacher talks, which I had a sit down discussion with the class every week. And we would talk about everything from what's going on in the neighborhood, 
to what their interests are. And the kids really opened up about what they liked. And I found out that many of the boys loved basketball. Many of the girls loved cheerleading. So I asked my sister to come and create a cheerleading team with the girls, and she did. Uh, and then I, I created a basketball team with the PE coach at the school. And so we, I felt like if they felt like there was, if someone was listening to them and meeting their needs of what they felt was important to them, then, then it would be easier for me to reach them in an academic capacity. And sure enough, it started to work. Their grades came up, the discipline got better and better. And eventually the parents didn't even recognize their kids. They were so well behaved at school. Um, and the number of referrals went way down for this group of kids. And in fact, uh, the, I just remember the principal being very shocked because the year before in fourth grade on the state mandated test, they scored a, I had 40% of the kids passing in reading and 50% of the kids passing in math. And obviously that's not acceptable. And the principal met with me on the, during the first weeks when I took over the class and she told me, just get them to 70%, 60 or 70%, Mr. Smith, that would be wonderful. But of course I had more lofty goals than that. Uh, but it took me a while to figure out that their, you know, their, their social economic, they're not social economic, but their social emotional needs had to take precedent over their education, over their learning, because if your social emotional needs are not met, you can't teach me anything. I'm too busy worrying about other things. So once I started to, to implement those social emotional activities into the class, their grades did spike. And in fact, when the state, mandate test, state mandated test results came out this year, just one year removed from the year when they scored 40 in reading and 50 in math, their mm -hmm. scores were, they scored a 97% of the students passed reading and 100% passed math. And I just remember the principal going in the cafeteria she stopped everybody from eating. She had all of those kids stand up and we gave them like a five minute round of applause. And, and, and that was just, it made their day. Wow. I know that was a little long winded, but. Uh, <laughs> what a huge impact that you had on your community. That is amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah, and, and the, 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 the community had as, as, as equal of an impact on me because I met students who I saw myself in. I could see myself as a little kid, and I grew up in Fifth Ward. I grew up very poor. So I grew up in a situation where, and I was a fifth grade teacher. Well, when I was in fifth grade, my parents didn't have money. So I couldn't go to my fifth grade promotion ceremony at my elementary school. So I wanted to make sure that no fifth grader that I taught felt that um, because there's such a minute thing, clothes and shoes to stop a, a kid from feeling like they're a part of something much bigger. So I just made sure that all of my students participated and I didn't let clothes or shoes or you know, stop them from participating. And if they didn't have it, I bought it. I, I remember, um... I'm one of your former students. Yes, um, you are. From Luskin. And I remember that we had a event one time where you choreographed a dance and a performance to my girl. Yes. that was <laughs> I'm surprised you remember that. What do you remember about that? Well, I remember 
not only like the impact that it had on the boys club because i feel i feel like it 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 had an impact on us it changed us a little bit and it gave us a different outlook on certain things but just like you just mentioned um, previously about how not allowing clothes shoes uh prevent a student from participating in something i remember that you um you spoke to i believe was it five students who did the, mm-hmm. the, the dance and you talked to them that if they needed anything, if they couldn't afford the ties or a, a shirt, the pants, the shoes, you would help them out. Yeah. I and that know. dance came about so funny. That dance, because I'm not a choreographer. <laughs> if anybody knows me, I don't know, you know, the first thing about choreography. But mm-hmm. that dance came about because one of the things about having a boys club, and I guess we'll, we'll talk about that later. But one of the mm-hmm. things about having a boys club, and there was also a girls club at Luskin, is that wow. it's so easy for boys to say, you know, we're better than the girls. You want the boys to have confidence, but you don't want them to miss the opportunity to understand that the boys club is not a way to segregate you from the girls. It's a way for you to understand how to relate better with girls and how you understand that how your actions impact directly with girls. So the reason that came about is that the girls club was hosting a a mother-daughter fashion show. And the leader, uh, Miss Erickson, who was the leader of the girls club, she came to me and she said, Mr. Smith, I don't know what I'm going, she was telling me about her event. And I told her, I said, you know, this would be a great way for the boys club to support the girls club. Because the boys club had been at Luskin longer than the girls club. And the girls club was actually created out of the, I won't say jealousy, but out of the excitement that the boys club generated at Luskin. So we wanted to be a supporter, not a competition. So I told her that I would come up with some kind of, some kind of entertainment. Well, I just remember meeting with, and you might not remember this, but I remember meeting with you and Regino and Mark and some of the others who participated. And I just kind of, Music was big in my classroom. I'm sure you remember that. I know you remember I was a writing teacher, and I know you remember I played music every time y'all wrote. I mean, music was big in my classroom. So I just remember playing music, and you guys said, hey, let's do some kind of song, and it just kind of, we all kind of got together, and it evolved into that. And I remember, and I wonder, do you remember this? I remember burning the song on CDs for all of you to take home and practice because you didn't, re- the song is 50 years old by The Temptations. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, you didn't know the song. And so, uh, but of course, by the time you had listened to it a hundred times, then, you know, you would all be in class just kind of humming it because it was kind of stuck in your brain. But mm-hmm. um, it was just a way to, to, to do that. And so I know that as a, and, and you're a great example of this, as a kid going through this, you probably just saw it as a fun activity but I really had I really had a motivation behind it, and I'm sure now that you're participating in equal activities, you can you're crafting those same kind of ideas. Where you know sometimes it doesn't look like it looks like it's fun, but it has an even deeper meaning than that. So the meaning behind that was really to to show support and to y'all's credit, to the boys club, the boys mem- the boys club members who participated, to their credit, they were very supportive of the girls, and they and they. And the event turned out to be a huge success. Yes, it was. And I remember uh, I wasn't one of the dancers. I remember I did the curtains and I was, I did it too slow, yes. but, <laughs> but it was a really great experience. And you mentioned music. 
and I want, I want, I'm, I'm going to kind of go off a little bit off topic, but then I want to come back to, to what you were saying about the Boys and Girls Club. But you mentioned music. Um, I've spoken with other educators and they say that music is such an important thing. Although it, it's, it might not sound like it is, but it kind of does have an impact on social emotional learning to an extent. And you said you love music. And I remember I this so vividly. I remember, I remember that, that uh, performance. I remember when we went Christmas caroling and being in your class and we constantly were just, every time in your class, you always had Christmas music going on around Christmas time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You mentioned Miss Erickson, she had music and she'd even have uh, certain groups of students. And uh, instead of saying like group one, group two, group three, she named us after Michael Jackson songs. <laughs> I was in the group called Man in the Mirror. I remember that. It, you, and you've worked with, with all kinds of students. What would you say is the impact of music on that? Well, that's a great question. Well, the thing you have to remember is number one, music is universal. Music doesn't have a race, music doesn't have a color, music doesn't have a religious affiliation, music doesn't have a gender affiliation, music doesn't have a sex affiliation. So music is universal. Number two, music always sparks an emotional response from us. Because there's, I'm, I'm sure you can, you remember this as well, or you experienced this as well. As well. There are times where you could be in your car or at home or in your mom's car or in a friend's car and a song comes on and you're automatically transported back to a specific time and place, a specific event, a specific memory. And that's what music does. It sparks uh, an emotional response. So by incorporating music into your classroom, you're getting kids to be able to emotionally respond to learning. So that if you're playing music while writing, then kids associate the feeling of how they feel at that moment with writing. And of course, if there's a particular song that comes on that sparks a negative emotion, then you might have a kid that doesn't want to write. And that's okay. Because then you now know that something emotional happened to that student and then you can work towards them dealing with that. But uh, it's so important to include music and not just any kind of music. I mean, you know, although all music is important, but there, I tried to incorporate music that lent itself towards sparking an emotion, like a song like Man in the Mirror, like Miss Erickson used. Or I would use a lot of, um, sometimes I would use a lot of 50s music or even pop music that the kids were very familiar with. And what I would try to do is get them to see the meaning behind the music. Like, what is the purpose of this song? Why, why am I playing this song? I'm not just playing this song for you to like it, but I'm playing this song for you to, to, to connect emotionally with whatever you're doing academically. And, and, it, and, and what you'll find is a lot of students in high school, they use music to do their work tour to their homework too. And mm -hmm. it's because they connect with the music. So like there's some songs you can play and it makes you want to work harder. And there's some songs that you play, it makes you want to just crawl in bed and, you know, cry or whatever the case may be. So mm -hmm. that's why I think that's the importance of music. And I think that it's so important for teachers to include music into their learning uh, environment because music connects the teacher 
to the student in a way that takes all the bias that may be involved. Because again, like we said, music has no particular ethnicity, gender, religious affiliation. So you can play a song and you can see a, a Hispanic student and an African-American student loving the song and that connects them together. If they don't have anything else in common, they have that in common. And if you can get kids to see that they have something in common, that sparks conversation. And with conversation, that sparks getting to know each other. And when you get to know someone, you can't make uh, stereotypes about them or believe stereotypes about them because you know the person, not the belief. But what did, did music, how did music affect you? Like, did, did you enjoy the music? I definitely did. And now, uh, having graduated high school and being a college student, I'll listen to the some of the songs that we we would uh, listen to in your classroom in Miss Erickson's classroom, and it just brings back those memories. Like, um, absolutely. I I recently had a conversation with uh, one of the former administrators at Luskin. You know her, my family member, Miss Allen. Um, yes, I love her. And we were just talking about how amazing teachers we had and how all of you would work together and this is kind of going back on the point about how you mentioned Miss Erickson doing girls club you doing boys club and working together as you know as a group to benefit the students a lot of the teachers at Luskin and I think it plays a big role because of the, I believe the principal that we had at the time Mr. Pollock we had such great educators there and you guys would put in so much extra effort, time, money to help the students and even and even have events that, you know, sometimes we would take take about a day off away from study and just have fun. We I remember doing the races and playing around in the in the park behind the school. How how do you see that there was an impact on the students on, with with that? Oh yeah, you're, I think you hit it right on the nail on the head. I think that the culture was set by Mr. Pollock, the principal. And the thing about Mr. Pollock is Mr. Pollock really cared about the students at Luskin. It wasn't just something, cause you know, everybody says that, but he let his actions, because he was a man of few words. He didn't go around preaching and saying all of these things or doing all these things, but he did quiet things like, and I don't know if you know this, but every Christmas, and every Thanksgiving, he would give away like $400 worth of food gift cards to families. He never made a production about it. He would just have the parent come in, he would give them a $50 gift card and told them to go enjoy their Christmas or Thanksgiving dinner. He did things like that. I remember that we had a Christmas party for the teachers um, at the school and we didn't have a lot of money and I was in charge of it. I had never done a party like this before, a big scale for the whole school. I'd done a lot of classroom parties, but nothing so significant as, you know, a big party for all the staff. And I remember, I remember being $200 short on the catering bill. And I remember Mr. Pollock coming and he, he handed me two $100 bills out of his pocket. And I just have never known a principal to do anything like that. And he wasn't my first principal. He was my third principal. And so I, I can honestly say he really cared about the students. And that's what trickled down to the teachers. He set the precedent. Then his administration team, which included Ms. Allen, 
they set the president because they really cared about the kids. And then it, it just trickled down into the teachers. So we just had, and it's one of the reasons why Luskins was so successful during the years you were there. I mean, it was an exemplary school for like three years in a row. And it was because it, it, was, it was the president that he set, his admin team set, and it all trickled down. So I, I think you were absolutely right on about that. All right, I think that'll be the end for this segment. I hope you enjoyed. This is not the end of this great conversation, so keep an eye out for the next episode. Remember, this is Rather Go Blind, the podcast for those who'd rather go blind than not speak their mind. Be kind to yourself and those around you, and thank you for listening.